Hi everyone, this is Sam Black coming to you from Madison, Wisconsin to discuss White Black in Wilds of Eldraine Limited. As always, the notes are available to follow along at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. White Black is a below average performing deck on 17 lands. There's kind of like a big gap uh, with blue-white and blue-green at the bottom. And then there's like another cluster of decks that are like a little below average, but not like appreciably down. The primary draw of white-black, let's start there, is the synergy between Hopeful Vigil, Hopeless Nightmare, The Princess Takes Flight as like one half of the AB combo, then Stockpiling Celebrant, or to a much lesser extent, Bargain Cards as the other half of the combo. And basically... Um, anytime you can play one of those nice enabling enchantments into Princess, into Stockpiling Celebrant, replay your enchantments, then maybe have like another card to bargain it away or another Stockpiling Celebrant, you can have like really good starts where you get pretty far ahead of your opponent. If that doesn't happen, you are basically just playing a no normal fair game of Magic. And even if it does happen, you're still playing a normal fair game of Magic. You're just like up a card in a relatively tempo friendly and like cheap uh way so basically i really like the top few white cards right like hopeful vigil stopping celebrant and then like cooped up and archon's glory are like okay but white is uh i think pretty inarguably the shallowest color in uh this format and so it's kind of dangerous to heavily commit to like drafting white early when you just don't know if the couple top commons will be open or if like no one else will be drafting them. If you see some of like the premium white commons late, then you can like reasonably conclude that no one's fighting you on white cards because they're just really other white cards they could take over it. I mean, it's possible that they just took cards of another color over it or maybe you know, you and someone else both get a signal to go into white at about the same time. But for the most part, if you see like late uh, hopeful vigils or whatever, you can reasonably conclude that white's at least relatively on your table, um, which is important if you're trying to draft white again because it's so shallow. But so in white black, I would say hopeless nightmare, candy grapple. Hopeless nightmare is the one black enchantment that makes an opponent lose two life and discards a card, and then you can spend three mana to sack it and when it goes to the graveyard, you can scry to. Candy Grapple, the minus three, minus three that bargains to minus five, minus five. Stockpiling Celebrant, the three, two that picks up a permanent and then scries to. And then Hopeful Vigil, the uh, two mana white enchantment that uh, makes a two, two and has the similar, you can sack it and you scry when it dies text. Those four are distinctly ahead of every other common in the archetype. And the quality of your deck will largely be a function of how many of those four cards you can get. Beyond that, there are some other okay cards, um, you know, like the, they're like a little bucket of good black creatures for this archetype that includes Baronati, the 1-3 flyer that has lifelink if you have a fairy and pumps for uh, two and black, and then the witches, uh, Sweet Tooth Witch and Conceited Witch, Sweet Tooth Witch being the 3-2 that makes a food and can sack food to make your opponent lose life, and Conceited Witch being the 2-3 menace that uh, can go on an adventure to create a wicked roll. Those four black creatures all uh, play pretty well in this deck. Most of the rest of the white creatures are not so good. 
but a few of them are, you know, acceptable. So you're looking to build a deck out of like a pool of cards where even like your top end, if not top top end, is cards that I would say are nothing to write home about. And then there's the question about like, what is your deck doing? Like, what is its strategic positioning and its goal? And why are we here? Like, clearly we have like some kind of nice synergies, but they're all like really small ball incremental card advantage type synergies. It's nothing like game breaking. So getting into some of the issues, I guess, before I really talk about precise strategy you're on, because I think that the, the pitfalls kind of inform the strategy. So the theoretical, like in set design, this archetype was determined to try to do this thing is synergies surrounding your enchantments go to the graveyard from the battlefield. That's a pretty tall order from a design standpoint in terms of like making that a thing that's like worth trying to make happen. And I wouldn't say they succeeded. There are ways to like make rolls fairly easily. And then if you make a roll on top of a roll or if a creature dies and you gave it a roll, or if you sacrifice your hopeless vigil or your, or your hopeless nightmare or your hopeful vigil, then an enchantment goes to the graveyard. So like you can make the thing happen, but the payoffs are usually around the order of a power and a toughness in one way or another. Like you get a 1-1 or your creature gets 1-1 bigger or some other thing that just really doesn't matter very much. The payoffs that you're getting are like, I guess it would be reasonable if you expected this to happen every turn, but like it's not going to happen every turn unless you're investing like a lot of real resources into making it happen. So that whole thing just like doesn't add up. There are a few cards that uh, are dedicated to that, cards like Savior of the Sleeping and Knight of Doves and Warehouse Tabby. If you don't know what those are, they pay you for this thing happening. I don't worry about it. They're bad. You should not be playing any of those cards. Sometimes, you know, you could play one of them as like a filler, but you certainly shouldn't be drafting around trying to like accomplish their mission statement. So that means that the deck ends up being relatively low synergy because you're not like the theoretical synergies that are built in don't really come up. You get like little pieces of it here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's not really happening. Similarly, Neva, the uncommon legend that's like a gravedigger that can also get back enchantments and has menace and gets bigger when one of your enchantments dies, doesn't perform very well. I really like gravediggers and I wanted it to be good and I've played it a bunch and I would say it's pretty consistently underwhelming. The issue is uh, that it's basically too grindy and it really wants to play an attrition game. And I don't think that white-black is actually well-suited to doing that. White-black is generating incremental value and card advantage, but it's not doing it in a way that I would say keeps up with the other archetypes in the format. Something like red-black is generating incremental card advantage by going wide or through like grabby giant and then like the blue decks can just go way over the top with stuff like hatching plans and uh, into the Fey Court. And the green decks either can actually generate better 
uh, card advantage engines than you with stuff like Up the Beanstalk and Season of Growth and Tanglespan Lookout, or they can just like go way bigger and you're like extra tutu or whatever just doesn't amount to like it's just not a meaningful object so the idea that you're gonna like grind people out with your two threes and three twos and some remo removal spells doesn't really line up well in the format so i think that that means that your deck has to be actively trying to close you need to be playing creatures and then taking advantage of the fact that like you're putting a role on these creatures and that role is giving you like more damage output and better attacks and you have access to a lot of removal and uh you really need to be using your removal not just to trade cards but to push damage i think that white black really wants to have a play pattern where you get some like reasonable creatures down and then you use your removal spells to push damage by killing your opponent's blockers and i think you're generally trying to like win a pretty tight race in some pretty close games the uh white black adventure creature the 2-2 that um adventures to give all of your opponent's creatures minus one minus one and then when uh you play it it gives a creature plus two plus two i think the fact that that creature gives plus two plus two when it enters is almost the thing that like best highlights what white black is about like the fact that that plus two plus two matters to this archetype um that you care about like getting that extra attack and pushing that damage that way so i would describe where white black needs to be as small game aggro like you very much care about your curve and about pressuring your opponent's life total and being ahead on board and you're like largely a tempo deck but you're also trading resources and shrinking the game a lot and you just need to be when you trade resources a lot it can result in games where like not much is happening right like if you don't have a creature in play you kill your opponent's thing they kill your thing you kill their thing and the game just kind of goes into the late game and you both have a bunch of mana and you can both deploy the cards in your hand which is not what you want if you're a tempo deck. Um, your opponent's going to have better stuff to spend their mana on in the late game than you are. And so, like, this situation where you're at parity and you're killing their stuff and it's making the game go long is something you're trying to avoid. You really want to, like, get, like, a Minstrosity or a Sweet Tooth Witch or some kind of creature with a decent amount of power down, kill their blocker, get it a big chunk of damage, and repeat where, uh, you know, you're kind of turning your cards into Searing Blaze where every time you kill one of their creatures, your opponent also takes a bunch of damage. And if you're not doing that, then I think you're kind of just like losing more slowly. So there's some success metrics, like cards that perform well on 17 lands that sort of support that. For example, Ratout and Archon's Glory, uh, both one mana tricks. Ratout being uh, one mana target creature gets minus one, minus one, and you make a one, one rat that can't block, and Archon's Glory being target creature gets plus two plus two for a white mana instant and then you can bargain to give it flying and lifelink also both of those perform pretty well which to some extent supports the idea that this is a tempo deck also uh, five mana creatures like charm clothier and screen puff perform poorly uh, screen puff is a pretty good card that's like very off plan charm clothier is like theoretically on plan in terms of you know it's making a role in your deck that's supposed to be about that but it's just not like a particularly good rate 
and your deck doesn't really want five mana creatures. So the fact that like the five drops aren't where you want to be is significant. Though on the other end, I think it's notable that the one mana creatures also do not perform well. And I think that that's because of the fact that you are a small game deck and you're trading resources a lot. And I think that the cards just end up being too low impact and lead to a situation where you trade down and then you can't close and then your opponent has a bigger thing left over than you do and then you lose that. So uh, you need to make sure that like your stuff is reasonably cheap but also impactful enough that you're like properly getting paid for keeping your opponent off balance. Baronati only has one power, but uh, it has a bunch of toughness and flying, and when you put a roll on it and then like in, get to the mid-game and you can start spending mana to pump it, it becomes a pretty reasonable clock and like just a pretty good-sized creature, um, so that plays pretty well. Also, Besotted Knight, the 4-mana uh, 3-3 three, three that can go on an adventure to make a royal roll on something. Um, it's very clearly a lot worse than Conceited Witch, but uh, like surprisingly acceptable as a filler creature. Um, it, it does what you're trying to do. And yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. I think that this archetype really relies on some good rares, not even premium uncommons. It, it really wants stuff like Spellbook Vendor. Uh, that's the two mana, two, two, that uh, at the beginning of combat, you can spend a mana to put a sorceress roll on something. Lord Skitter, the uh, three, three, that makes a one, one rat, um, and then exiles a card from a graveyard as just like good, basically just a good aggressive card, but also stuff like Lord Skitter's Blessing and um, Devouring Sugar Maw point two and support this archetype pretty well without kind of like one of those like reasonably strong rares i think you need to just like happen to see a good number of those premium comments in a row and even then i'm often going to be pretty open to pivoting into some kind of like multicolor control deck if it just dries up because white's so shallow i think it's much better to be open to pivoting into like using your removals and your like removal and card advantage stuff as part of a like control deck with more colors rather than like staying the course in white black and playing a bunch of like mediocre commons to round out your deck yeah i i would say that this is an archetype that you can draft but you need to draft with like extreme caution and be very willing to pivot out of rather than trying to like force it and ending up with a mediocre version of the deck. And then if you are here again, you really want to focus, I think, on having a low curve and then having like reasonable, like just a good mix of creatures and removal where specifically like your creatures are cheap and your removal is efficient. And don't play any of the many, many, many trap cards that exist in this space. Uh, that's like the most important point is that there are just a lot of traps here and you really need to avoid all of them. So that's my, I don't know, pitch, reverse pitch, something like that there. And now I'm going to turn it over to chat for questions. So as always, uh, I want to take a moment to remind people to check out patreon.com slash drafting archetypes if you want to support the podcast uh get involved get some perks all that stuff 
And then, yeah, if anyone has any questions that um, they've asked that I haven't addressed or develops any questions over the course of my answering questions, uh, just type them in chat. Um, I see there are a few things that were mentioned during the podcast that I'm going to look at. Personally, find it hard to draft white as a main color because so many uh, three drops and then it's hard to really get a cohesive strong bundle. I guess it relies on pairings and many times the cards just don't show up. It's interesting that you mention the three drops because I don't really feel like there's a huge glut in white at three, maybe because like cards like protective parents, I just don't really consider because I just like don't think it's a good card. And so my issue is less that it has a lot of three drops and more just it's shallow. But the three drop concern is pretty real in white black. Um, like Voracious Vermin is a card that would make sense in the archetype. Like it is reasonably aggressive. It goes a little bit wide. The archetype can do some going wide, which like plays well with Vermin. But it's like the fourth best common three drop behind Stockpiling Celebrant and the two witches. And so it's just pretty unlikely that you need that many threes. And so Voracious Vermin ends up being a pretty low priority. Suggestion that Tabby's uh, okay filler because it can trade up with Death Touch. Um, as I just, I think that um, the issue with Warehouse Tabby is that it's just like too low impact and doesn't push enough damage while you're like, killing their creatures and attacking. And so it ends up uh, feeding into like this attempt to play an attrition game that your deck, I don't think, is actually well set up to doing. So when I've played Tabby in these decks, it's not that Tabby itself has been horrible, but that it hasn't felt like what the deck is doing overall really like comes together in a useful way when that's there. And I think that it's kind of uh, contributing to that issue just by being low impact. My best white black decks in the format have been straight up control decks, but that's only really worked because I've had either Wrath or the Black Virtue. Yeah, the cards definitely want to go that way. Like there's a bunch of good removal and it's easier to play it as a control deck than in this weird, like aggressive small game space where you kind of need to draw your cards in the right order and have stuff line up right. But as you said, you kind of need like good rares to be able to win with a control deck just in general and especially in white black where you don't really have like good control finishers or enough card advantage at common and uncommon. Um, there's a note, uh, a, a pro dark tutelage suggestion, which I guess, you know, if you build white black around uh, dark tutelage and you play like Archon's Glories to gain life to offset the life loss from Dark Tutelage, then you can get into more of a controlling position and try to actually grind your opponent out. Similarly, my, I think, only tro trophy with White Black is with Necropotence, which it plays in a similar position, like a similar structural role to Dark Tutelage, where both let you actually become an attrition deck instead of being forced into this tempo role. So I do think that there's something to be said for trying to play the white and black cards together in a way that lets you build a control deck. What usually happens for me is I end up pivoting into Esper and drafting along the lines of like Bargain Blue. And um, that's, I would say, where I most successfully combine blue and black cards because you can just uh, really draft a control deck then. So I don't want to be dismissive about the idea of playing black and white cards together uh, in a controlling like deck, 
I just think it's hard to do in an actual two color deck. And so like the low commonality based version and also the high rarity based version where your rares are aggressive want to like err toward trying to close the game. But yes, if you have the right rares for a control deck, you can certainly go that way and uh, it might be for the best. I've had some great white-black decks and looked them up and you're right, they all had either Wrath, Sugar Maw, Ashiok, or the 4-4 Archon that cares about auras. Yeah, uh, I think those cards that are listed all kind of like let you do a thing that's impactful enough. Like all, all of those are very high impact cards where all of the commons are low impact. And yeah, you, you, you need your deck to do something impactful. In my mind, those decks were about Celebrant plus Vigil Nightmare, but the rares helped a lot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you need a rare to like make the total output significant, and then you want like the stockpile synergy stuff to um, just kind of like carry you through playing a game where your rare can be properly set up. But again, like just getting the like Celebrant Vigil Nightmare stuff has been a pretty tall order for me to begin with. Like, I look for it, but it just comes together in relatively few of the drafts. And then if you need to, like, line up both getting all that stuff together with getting, like, the right rares, it, it's not that you can't have a good white-black deck as much as it's that white-black is, like, a low-probability deck, um, such like... You know, I think that if you went into a draft and said, I'm going to draft white-black this time, you would really struggle um, in a way where, you know, I think that if you said, I'm going to draft red-black or red-blue or green-black, I think you can kind of like force any of those and be pretty likely to end up with a playable deck where I just don't think that you can do that in white-black. I think the card pool just isn't deep enough. All right, so I think I'm going to wrap up this <laughs> relatively short and pessimistic episode there. Hopefully this is some useful insight on the caution that you should use with white-black. Again, it can happen, but there, there are certainly a lot of risk factors that you need to be sure that you uh, plan for and uh, draft around. And in a lot of ways, my biggest advice is just always be ready to pivot off. We have now entered preview season for Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Uh, I'm sure that I will still be on Wilds of Eldraine next week. I haven't looked at the exact schedule of uh, what's going on with the upcoming sets, but um, presumably we're going to be winding down Wilds of Eldraine in the near future. And uh, like everyone else, I'm pretty excited to see what's coming with uh, Ixalan. So anyway, bye for now, and I will be back next week. Prepare for light speed.